Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also located on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Robbie and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from March 14th, 2021. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. My name is Robbie. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Church, and with me today is Mr. Jeff Colossi. How are you doing today, Jeff? Hey, everybody. I am well. Robbie, it is nice to be with you today. Always a delight. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners, uh, you know that when it is a Jeff and Robbie episode, these are the most likely to sound like an NPR radio show. <laughs> Today's sponsor is... <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, because we're la- lacking J, there's going to be there's going to be significantly less uh, energy overall because he brings 90% of the extroverted energy to the conversation. The word that keeps coming to my mind is hijinks, to be Hijinx. honest. <laughs> There'll be a significant, significantly fewer hijinks. That is true. Hijinks aren't really our jam. No, not as much. We like to laugh, though, so this will be fun. That is true. And well, and what we're talking, actually, what we're talking about is our jam. Right, our topic for this week, uh, spiritual habits in general, but I love me some silence. I agree. I was just thinking we should just be quiet now. (laughs) And this episode will be 15 minutes of silence. We encourage you to listen all the way to the end. (laughs) Oh, no, we won't do that to everybody. We wouldn't. Although it might be the best part of your day if you actually did that. It's true. And hopefully by the end of the podcast, if you don't already know why from the sermon, you will know why. Robbie, I was very excited. I've actually been pumped for this entire series because God has used these practices in my own life. I don't practice them perfectly or as consistently at all as I want to, but they have been helpful for me. And so I've been pumped all the way through, but especially silence is a very radical one. Hmm. And uh, so I was really excited going into your sermon, waiting for it. And uh, it was just super Encouraging, so I'm excited to unpack it some can I, more. Can I ask what yes. what makes it feel so radical? I think it's it's so contrary to well, at least my impulse. I want to fix things with my words. I want to help yeah. with my words. I want to be understood with my words. It's that. But then when you add in it, social media, texting, all the things that we can do now, silence seems very radical because it means stopping all of those things as well that are just they're always going on in the background so to me that's why it feels so radical and that you're you're really saying okay i will be okay if i'm not heard right now and if i don't hear my own voice or someone else's voice yeah uh yeah so it's to me to me it's really radical very different it is. It's an interesting point that you bring up about just the the context that we live in right now. That this was this was a very different type of habit to practice in the 1700s. I would imagine, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the woods, where there was no one to talk to anyway. Right. That wasn't a habit you were necessarily having to work really hard to practice. But now there is so much just sensory overload in the context that we exist in right now, and. And this, I mean, really, the, the sermon on Sunday is is kind of one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is going to be a week from Sunday when I'm talking about solitude, which is really um, talking about input and 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 
all that we're taking in, all that we're receiving. And this last Sunday is, is my output. How am I contributing to that both in, in my life and digitally? Yeah, they're both, they, I think it was really great how you were able to isolate silence from solitude because they do go hand in hand. Uh, but I do think solitude requires its own sermon. So I'm glad that that's the direction we went, but, um, it's, yeah, it's just not the way life is anymore. I mean, I remember reading about C.S. Lewis and he would start his day often by, he would, he actually responded to letters he got, which I find fascinating. Even as he gained popularity and fame, he responded to all these letters and then he would walk them to the post office. And that right. walk wasn't yeah, like two that. minutes. It was a long walk. Right. And he had all this silence in his life and time to think and be. And that was just part of the rhythm. We don't have that as much anymore. Or we don't take that as much anymore. It's not that it's not available to us. It just takes that uh, more intentionality, more effort in order to mm-hmm. to acquire it. Yeah, what we would naturally or maybe it's unnatural, but it's it's our regular way of being now is to constantly communicate. Yes. Asynchronously, like which is a new thing, right? Where you yeah. can send it and then respond to it at whenever time you want. And often that's instantly. Yes. But also the synchronous conversation like we're doing right now, it's all different because of tech. So Absolutely. I don't have to wait until I bump into you to ask you that thing. I can, the moment it pops into my head, I can immediately send you that information, regardless of what you're in the middle of doing, uh, or even what I'm in the middle of doing, I can, I can send you that information instantly and then, and then just wait for whenever you get around to it. Um, or immediately be upset that you didn't respond instantaneously, even though I, I have no idea what you're doing at the time, but I can just, I can get that information to you whenever I want. It's super weird. If we stop and think about it, it's super weird. It is, but it's normal now. And this feels like we could actually do a whole extra episode sometime on like a digital makeover or a digital examining your digital life, because you and I both really wrestled with that. And I, me, especially working with college students for so many years, I saw the change happen in real time when suddenly college kids had smartphones and then, oh wait, now Facebook exists and it changed the way humans interact Um, in some good ways, but then in a lot of ways that have been liabilities, especially for silence, like you were talking on Sunday. Certainly. You and I really kind of sit in this weird midpoint of we were, we were old enough to understand and be fully aware of life pre Mm -hmm. smartphone. Um, but we're young enough that we absolutely got wrapped up in it, right? So we weren't so old that we were like, no way, I'm, I'm, I'm a flip phone guy to the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but not so young that, that like current now two generations who don't know life without having a supercomputer in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm going to assume that means that gives us a unique and helpful perspective because we have both <laughs> understood that you can survive without this thing and uh, learn how to use it in beneficial ways as a tool and uh, I think are seeing all the ways that it can that it is hurting us. Yeah, like I suffer every day for not having cassette tapes, for example. <laughs> like I don't know why we got rid of those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Based on the, set, the the headphones that you're currently wearing right now, I actually thought you were being serious right there because I don't. You can, the listeners can't see that you. We wear headphones because we're speaking into microphones. It helps us see one another or, or hear one another. Headphones don't help us see. They help us hear. <laughs> um, 
and uh and the ones that you are currently wearing i'm pretty sure were at one point attached to a sony walkman is that accurate oh yes these are cost porta pro if you want to look it up and uh <laughs> they've been making them since the 80s and they are exactly the same today as they were then and they're awesome and they look like they're from the 80s exactly like they, they did then yeah it was the first uh, attempt at a portable headset, I believe, that went over your head, and it's pretty awesome. It is fantastic, but I digress. Yes. We're on to important things. <laughs> we were. Uh, could I ask you a question? Uh, Can I go? So yeah, I have a number of them, but one of the things I thought was interesting about the way you started your sermon is you did not start with a passage that talked directly about silence. Instead, you started in Romans 8, and I, I think it'd be really helpful if you could just take some time and reiterate why did you do that why did you make that decision to start with romans 8 and and really our identity in christ and who he is and who we are instead of starting with this passage that talks about silence like you had a lot of them but you didn't start there i that that came out of just a personal challenge of thinking through what actually motivates me things that that do and that don't that we for if we've spent much time in the church, we're familiar with with passages like James, where where he spends the better part of a whole chapter telling us why we need to control the tongue. Um, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. like it's it is a it's such a common theme about choosing your words wisely, about uh, about using them to heal instead of to destroy, and 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 how important that is. And yet, we don't really put any effort into that whatsoever. So the issue is not that we don't know that we're supposed to control our tongue. It's that we lack the motivation to do so. So uh, along the same lines of if you bring some exercise regime to me and uh, a regimen to me and uh, and say, you know, this is great. It's going to have this effect. It's going to make you feel like this. And you just have to do this and this and this. I can hear that all day long and go, great. That totally sounds awesome. Uh, but the extent of my lifting is going to be my hand full of chips into my mouth and my other hand with the remote. Like that's all I plan on lifting today because I don't have the motivation of why it actually matters. So to be able to start in a passage like Romans 8 and think through why would I do this and how do I do this, then I can, by the time I reach James, I understand why it is such a big deal for me to hold my tongue because of who God is, who I am because of him, and all the things that I don't have to do anymore because he's already accomplished it. All the things that I'm trying to do with my mouth that James says is actually just setting fires everywhere. Mm -hmm. I know, well, why am I even trying to do that? Because Christ has already accomplished that for me. God has, my father has already completely justified me. Why am I constantly trying to justify myself? So my hope, my prayer was that we could, if we focus on on both why we should do it and how we do it, then by the time we get to the practical thing of actually doing it, I my my heart is there. And and I feel like I have uh, the more of the handholds to say this is this is why it matters and this is how I actually do it. And I know for the way I'm wired that that step is really important. Because with any of these practices, I mean, really with anything that's good for me, that's truly good for me, I have to overcome inertia oh, yeah. Yeah. of the lack of movement in that direction. And if I think by doing that, 
one, I'm, I'm like somehow, you know, winning God's approval or I'm making him love me more or finally I will arrive or whatever it yeah. is for, we all have different wiring and different ways of kind of telling ourselves that same story. I won't be doing it even if I attempt it for the right reasons. So it won't accomplish what you described on no. Sunday at all, because it ends up being some sort of, I guess, religious way of really demonstrating our spirituality to God rather than this is who I am. Mm. This is who he is. This is a natural outflow of that relationship and that connection that I have because of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And without that foundational motivation, I'm, I might get a couple of weeks mm. if I'm really self-disciplined, but eventually I'm going to feel like, why am I even doing this? This is a lot of effort. Why am I? And, and, and I'm, I'm going to just slip right back into those, that, that rhythm, that groove that has been worn deep over time. Yes. It's a, it's a well-established rhythm of life that I'm trying to disrupt and, and I need a pretty powerful motivation in order to do so. And I, I think along with that, the way you describe the inhaling and the exhaling, hmm. the ebb and the flow, I think that actually for me was a motivating thing because, well, one breathing is required to live. And I like how you tied that in. It's a very natural part of life that you would have some things that you stop doing and then you stop doing them, you abstain from them so mm -hmm. that you can then engage. I wonder if you can just unpack that again for us, like why, why that we need to have that in mind as we go about practicing silence, but also the other two we talked about, secrecy and fasting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's so easy for us to, to self-justify uh, disobedience or for me, just flat out failure, right? I, I set myself a goal and then I fail at that goal. And rather than, rather than trusting Christ in my, in that failure, as I should in every other failure, I want to self-justify, right? So I want to say, well, it's just not my personality, or this isn't my winering, or this isn't my gifting, or, I mean, if we're, if we're really good at it and we're, we're all practiced up, we can even self-justify in a way that we can convince ourselves it was a bad idea for me to make that commitment in the first place. It's actually better that I failed because whatever fill-in-the-blank self-justification I have there. And, and for me, it was really helpful in reminding myself that, that these things are necessary and, and the reality is when it comes to things like wiring and gifting, all that means is that one of those, either the inhale or the exhale is going to require more effort on my part. One of those is going to come more naturally to me and the other one is going to require more effort. So rather than making excuses and self-justifications for my failures in, in, in establishing certain habits, better for me to say, that my, my natural gifting and my wiring is going to always pull me in this direction, which means the other direction is going to take some intentionality because that's, that is not what comes naturally to me. But if we were after what comes naturally to us, then we would not be followers of Christ, right? We, we want the supernatural. We want what is unnatural. We don't want the flesh. We want the spirit. So, but that requires effort, both in trusting that he has given me access to that and then in walking in what is ultimately unnatural to me so to, to give myself some grace to know well yeah it's difficult for me to do this because this is not what comes naturally to me so when i fail at that not only should i not be surprised or defeated that's going to be the expected result and so to get up and say okay but 
in the same way that if I were saying, man, I just, I, I can't, I can't, I can exhale, but I'm just having a really difficult time inhaling. I guess I can't get a, a, a gasp of air. You know, maybe I'm under the water, for example, mm-hmm. where it's really easy to push the air out, but I can't get any air in. I'm not going to just resign myself to that. I'm going to say I need to put in the effort to break the surface so I can get in that inhale. In the same way, I don't want to just say, well, I just, I'm just going to stick with uh, either either being a, a hyper extrovert and constantly around people, or I'm just going to resort to, to doubling down on my introversion and just be a recluse and not engage people at all. Or I'm just going to talk everyone's ear off nonstop because that's how I'm wired. Or I'm going to put in the difficult effort or, or I'm, I'm just the stoic guy who doesn't ever speak. Um, and, and I don't want to just resign myself to that, but, but put in the effort of how, both of these things are necessary. Both of these things are required ultimately for, for spiritual health and, and healthy community with one another. And so how do we work hard to incorporate both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. knowing we're, we're going to be better at one of those is going to be stronger and that's okay. It is. And it's, in my experience, it, it's interesting how you can experience and encounter God. So when you're doing something that feels natural and you're strong, like, so say you're just a very naturally talkative person. You like to engage with people. You can actually experience God through that. Like that's part of his wiring and that's a gift to other people. It is. But then also saying, you know what, in this conversation right now, I'm going to be silent. I'm just going to choose to practice it intentionally. There's an encounter with God that is also really profound and I think for me, it, when I come to the place where I'm like, this is actually harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing it much more, you know, in a messy way. Like this isn't tidy. I'm kind of at the end of my effort here. I can't do much more. That's when I'm encountering God in a, in a way that ends up being transformative for me. It's not like we're just going to do 10 reps of silence. And once I got to have those 10 reps in, I'm done. It's yeah. not like that. It's, I engage in this activity intentionally. And as I do it, I encounter obstacles. I encounter resistance internally and externally. And in those moments, I get to encounter God and his grace. And it's like we burn grace in those moments of his energy and his power. And that's the point. It should be, it should feel like a stretch. If it doesn't, we're missing it. Because that's where we actually grow. We just, I had a conversation with someone just a couple of days ago who, who said um, he was really encouraged by someone who in a training, uh, he said, I, don't, I, I couldn't tell you most of what happened in the training, but they said this one line that, that stuck with them. And he said, you, you, don't, you never grow in your comfort zone. And, and it reminded wow, that's me good. of, right, so it's so simple. And it's so true. We hear that and it immediately rings true. We know that's not how... That's not how we grow. That's not how we improve. My my father-in-law was a was a competing bodybuilder, which is in no way intimidating when you're meeting your father-in-law <laughs> for the first time, by the way. Um, but when we would exercise with him, he would always say, "Okay, you you know we we we're, we're, we're pushing this weight. You go to failure, and then you do two more, hmm. because it's those last two are the only ones that actually make you grow, because those are the ones that your body can't already do." And, and I immediately thought of that idea as my friend just this week was sharing that and, and being reminded that it's, 
if I do what I'm capable of doing, I am by definition not growing at all. That's what I can already do. It's in the difficult thing. It's in the stretching. It's in coming out of that comfort zone that I actually grow and, and improve. But, but that doesn't come without discomfort. Mm, and discomfort is not our favorite. No, we really don't like it. No. I have to want the result more than I want to avoid the discomfort. Yes. And that's where these practices as habits are so important because the reality is for each one of us today, tomorrow, this week, we will encounter a situation that is beyond our ability to lift using your lifting analogy. It's more weight than we can handle in that moment. The point of these practices is to intentionally engage in that ahead of time and to be training, like we were saying, the training and that's why we do this. That's We engage in it ahead of time because we know life is going to be that way. We don't control it. And curveballs come when we least expect it. And it's in those moments then that a regular practice of fasting or secrecy or silence or solitude or the other ones we'll talk about, where we'll see the fruit of it. It's in yeah. those moments, the real life moments. Oh, that's really good. So what, what about this practice as a habit? I think it'd be helpful to get specific again. You did in the sermon, but maybe even a little more. What could this look like for someone who says, all right, I'm convinced I will go after the discomfort. What would it look like? What does it look like for you? That might be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I referenced that in the sermon, I, 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 it sounded like I was being a little tongue-in-cheek, but it really is as simple as choosing not to talk like going going into a meeting and and deciding before i enter that meeting my goal is not to my my contribution to this meeting is not going to be what i say my contribution to this meeting is going to be listening as carefully as i possibly can to what everyone else is saying so that so that i can learn so that i can grow so that their ideas are are received and heard um and the reality is that is, for many of us, incredibly difficult because you hear something that you think is wrong and immediately you feel like, I have to fix that. I have to correct that. Or somebody says something and you think of something really funny and immediately you think, ah, I've got to get this joke out because this is worth it. Everyone will be blessed by my hilarity, right? And <laughs> I, I would not want to cause their suffering by not getting to hear my mediocre bit. Um you know, as silly as it sounds, like literally that that feels difficult. We, we blurt things out sometimes and think like, why did I even say that? It was because the second before I said it, I felt like I have to get this out. They, they need to know this or they have to experience this. And, and so by deciding before you go in there, this is what's going to happen. All of those things stir up. And, and really it's in the trying that you find out how desperately you actually want to have those things Hmm. right because i feel super annoyed that i can't tell this joke i feel super frustrated that i can't share this idea that i think is better than all the other ideas currently in the room because they need to know i have this great idea so like for me the, the the biggest benefit is seeing truly how much of an issue this actually is for me because when you don't try not to do something, you don't really see how much of a slave you are to that thing. It's only when you intend to stop and you realize how hard it is to stop that mm. you find, wow, this really does have a grip on me. I really am pretty dependent on 
what people think of me and, and whether or not they think I'm smart or they think I'm funny or they think I'm kind or they think it's not always bad things. It's, it's just, I, I feel like I have to control that situation. So that's when it comes out. So it's, it's a battle, but that, that's specifically one way. And the other really tangible way is, uh, I have, I just don't post anything on social media. And that started as a, I'm not going to do it today or I'm not going to do it for a week. And and the positive effect that that had on my emotional health, on my heart, on how I feel about other people was so significant. I will not ever hmm. go back to that. So just choosing to not have a public voice that you could have for you has reaped significant benefits. Tangible, tangible, almost immediate tangible benefits mm-hmm. because... There, I would argue, and I'm totally open to pushback on this, but I would argue that there is nothing that is more fruitful and more valuable to say to a faceless crowd than to a person that you are looking eye to eye. Hmm. So if it's important enough for me to say, then I should be saying that face to face to somebody who's actually directly affected by that that I know that I'm actually in relationship with and will continue to be in relationship with, if it's that important, then the worst place to do that is just like anonymously to a faceless crowd, just throwing it out there. And, and if it's not that important, then why am I saying it anyway? Hmm. So, so to me, it became a very simple, there is no context where it is more fruitful, more Christ-like, more godly for me to do it in this. And that's, I'm not making this a blink. This is a for, for me and my yes. heart. Yes. I came to a place where, where that was a, a deep conviction to me. So that started as an intermittent habit that became a, this is, this is not something I even need to go back to because I, I, the, this side is objectively more for this, this, for, that became a, no longer an ebb and a flow. Um, I just, I didn't need that vehicle for communication anymore. Hmm. That's an, I, that's an important clarification too. what you just said about. You're not saying that prescriptively, right? No. It's a description of what has been helpful for you. And I think that's the unique part of these practices is that what I have found is what helps one person won't necessarily help another person. And we each have to, I think, in community, in connection with that's other right. people, engage these and actually experiment. If that, I don't know if that's the right word, but we kind of experiment so. with what works and what is helpful. What am I most susceptible to where I uniquely need to practice this? Yeah. I mean, because in meetings, I'm in meetings with you constantly. And the ebb and the flow with that is that Robbie is not just silent through most meetings. We really want and need his contribution. That's why he's here. So what he's describing is an intentional, I'm going to listen carefully. And in doing that listening, you're actually very loving. You want other people's voices to be heard, other ideas to be shared. And you're telling yourself, there are other ways of doing this besides my way. Hmm. And I think that's really amazing. It's a gift to the team. And it's a, it's one that I think we all would want to practice, right? It's not that we walk into every meeting and we're more spiritual because we don't contribute. That's not hmm. what you're saying. It's this intentional, I don't have to always be known. All my thoughts don't have to be known in the moment that I think them. They just don't. Hmm. And I will be okay. If they're not. <laughs> I will be okay and the rest of you will be okay. Yeah. Because we can. it can come from a, 
a sincere desire to help and contribute. It's not, uh, we don't always have this conscious narcissistic desire for all the focus to be on us, even if there is an element of that. It are, it can be from a sincere desire of, I really want to help this person. And it's, it, it's in stopping and saying, but is, are my words what are going to help them the most? Or is it something else? Is it actually hearing from this other person who is here present? Or ultimately, is it hearing from Christ? Is it hearing from the Holy Spirit? And, and so rather than me giving advice, how about it, if I use fewer words to say, hey, let's together ask the Holy Spirit. Let's pray and see if he gives you wisdom in this situation. That was the outworking that was coming into my mind. And I, th I was trying to think of, is there ever a situation in which like me pausing for a moment instead of responding immediately. And even if it's in my own interaction with God, that's not audible that I'm saying, Lord, would you guide this conversation now in that moment of pause where you're not sharing? There's not a moment where that wouldn't be good. I can't right. imagine where I stop in, in the silence. I just, I pray briefly and then engage. And I, I just think we all need that. I know I do just that. And it, to me, it gives us a greater sense that we are cooperating with, we're joining God in what he's actually doing. Yeah. The work that all yeah. of us have to do is his, he's doing it. We cooperate and engage in it as he allows us to and empowers us to. So the silence, I think, is us intentionally acknowledging that in our own hearts too, mm -hmm. that this is his work. It's his ministry. It's his church. We don't have to talk all the time to make things happen. That's he's right. the one making it happen. Is there a time or a, or a season or a way in, in which the, the habit of silence has worked itself out in a, in a really positive way in your life? Yeah, I was thinking practically for me, again, this is where that ebb and flow concept is really important because what I'm about to say might sound like what, but in prayer actually. So there, there are times for me when I have to even stop talking to God Absolutely. And what I'm saying is I'm not stopping being with him, right. but where I actually silence the thoughts, I silence this stream of consciousness that he's getting from me, which actually is good. So that's the breathing, right? There's an inhale and an exhale. I don't permanently stop it, but I stop. And what I find for myself, at least, is in those moments of I'm sitting with God and I'm stopping and I'm, I'm really, what I'm doing then is I'm listening and I'm also just trying to be with him. What often happens for me is a little frustrating at first, but then good in the end. It's like taking a snow globe that was at rest, picking up and shaking it. And there's snowflakes flying everywhere. And that's like what's happening in my mind when I stop talking finally to God. It's all of these things, and maybe there are concerns I have or worries I have or agitations. Mm -hmm. They just all start flying. And then, if but I have to persist. This is where the effort, and I think spirit-empowered effort comes in. Yeah. I don't give up and just start talking. I said, no, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be with you, God. And maybe at the end of that time, one or two snowflakes are still in the air. And those end up being the things that really I need to talk with him about. Hmm. It wasn't this other, it was really, here's the yeah. big snowflake. Yeah. And that's where this has been so fruitful for me. And again, though, it takes discipline. It takes time to really do it consistently. I would say for me, I'm not where I, where I want to be with it. I would really like for myself to have a daily time when I'm talking about now prayer where I'm just silent and 
not not just a minute though like maybe 20 minutes mm-hmm. um and i can do that occasionally but i find my consistency in it isn't as good as it is when i'm engaging the word or i'm talking to god that's much more natural for me um so yeah that's an example from my life and i would commend that one i would again it's not prescriptive but taking time to be with god where you just stop can be pretty profound absolutely absolutely i i hope uh for those of you who have been listening, not just to the podcast, but to the sermon series, that you sense that our desire is to is to help you practically with these things. We want to we want to make it as accessible as possible um, in doing the things that we can actually do under our under our own power. Right, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the desire to do it in the first place, um, and and then by grace driven effort we can we can set aside time to do these things, which puts us in a context where God can do what only God can do, right? These things don't manufacture this thing in us. These things don't force God's hands that he has to respond as though they're these little incantations that we do that God then has to respond to us. It's simply uh, not entirely unlike setting up a date night with my wife where, where we set aside a specific time to say, we want to create a context where hopefully connection happens, relationship is deepened, and and some good conversation takes place. These habits are are reorienting our life away from how the world is trying to conform us, and 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 reorient them around Christ and the life that He has purchased for us. And so we want to help you as much as possible. So if you hear these some of these sermons or some of these podcasts, and you think I really really want that. The examples just don't feel helpful or specific. Please reach out to us. We uh, we want to help as much as we can. If you have more questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can email us uh, generally at connect at faithpeshtigo.com. You can go online if you don't already have one of our email addresses. And, and if you on the website, you can find us and, and just click on the pastor and, and it'll send an email directly to us. Um, or catch us on a Sunday morning. We would love to hear from you and, and have an opportunity to unpack some of this stuff with you. Jeff, any final thoughts before we tie a bow on the end of this one? Well, I liked where you were going there. What you said, I think, re-emphasizing again, we probably can't say it enough, that the goal of our connection with Jesus is not spiritual practices, right? They are not the end. They are not the purpose. They are means they are um, practices, exercises, maybe you could call them, that are, are meant to help us connect with him. That is the end, abiding in him. And I think if we keep that order in mind as we keep walking through this together, the struggle that we've been talking about can actually be become a good thing that we experience together because yeah. what we're doing is experiencing him. We're not just trying to become... You know, the equivalent of a bodybuilder with spirituality. That's not our goal. Our goal is Jesus, knowing him, loving him, experiencing him. And these are ways we can do that very tangibly and practically. That's right. And things I love that you said together. Yes. Because the goal is that we do them together. Part of that ebb and flow is there's things that we're doing by ourselves, but the purpose of those is to empower and equip and encourage us and to, and to provide even more meaning for the things that we're doing together. So... We want to struggle through this together with you, church, uh, and it'd be our privilege to do so. So let us know how we can help, how we can serve you. And as always, thanks so much for listening.
grace and peace to you.